they say the two biggest fears are public speaking and death. In fact, I'd rather die than have my biggest fear come true. I'm not agoraphobic, acrophobic, arachnophobic. <laughs> Those would be child's play. In fact, what I'm afraid of, what keeps me up at night, looking over my shoulder all day, every day, is I'm afraid. I'm afraid that people will see the true me. I'm a fraud. People think I'm happily married, and I am, but I can't stop lusting after other women. People think I'm an upright man, but I lie, I gossip, and I cheat when I think I can get away with it. People think I'm a godly man, and that's what I want them to think. But if they knew the thoughts that I think and the attitudes deep down in my heart, they would be disgusted. They'd run away. You might be thinking I'm too harsh on myself. Nah, because the truth is, while I'm talking about how totally depraved I am, I'm still sugarcoating it. I'm still showing you a two-dimensional, glossed and glittered version of myself. And worse yet, I'm hoping you'll be impressed by my humility. What I need is personality camouflage, something to cover me up, to hide me from people seeing who I am and what I'm doing. I wish. But the fact is, I can see me, even if nobody else does. I know me. And I'm so afraid that I am much, much worse than what even I'm willing to admit. And there's not a gosh darn thing I can do about it. I don't want to be like this. But there's just no fix. Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 22. I'm grateful today for a, a lamb, a spotless lamb that is my sacrifice, that covers my sin, my weaknesses, my frailties. Sacrificial lamb that was perfect, that was sacrificed on my behalf. I want to thank Nathaniel for sharing this morning. I think we all can relate to that. And if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and the lamb that was sacrificed on our benefit, we would be in a world of trouble. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Today's name we're looking at is the Lamb of God. You can see behind me, the beautiful names are starting to add up. People are wondering where in the world we're going to put the other 35 that we have coming. But we will figure that out. But to my, uh, uh, to my right, to your left, is the Lamb of God. And we're going to talk about the incredible sacrifice that was 
done on our behalf. Now, you're in Genesis 22. We're going to look in just a few moments about an incredible story that is a little crazy, a little odd, a little weird. But it's a story that I think is going to help uh, all of us as we identify with the Lamb of God. Now listen, we are all very appreciative of what Christ did on Calvary's cross. I mean, we've got the biggest cross in Christianity behind us, thanks to Tom Rodowski. We've got uh, the, uh, the beautiful crown of thorns that Lynn... We, uh, uh, Karen Williams uh, helped to make, and, and she got mad at me because it took her way longer than she thought it was going to take to make that. <laughs> I'm forgiven. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> and, and, and I could talk for the next 30 minutes on what Christ did on Calvary's cross for us. The spotless lamb the sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed so that we may be free. As you know, blood had to be shed. That blood covers our sins, and we are forever appreciative and grateful for that. But I really want to dig a little bit deeper this morning and go beyond just the surface fact of what Christ did for us, and I'm not taking away from that. We are appreciative. We are grateful. But I want to just dig a little bit deeper, and I want to get some action points that we can all identify with. The real issue here today is that Christ is not the only one who should be sacrificing. I mean, it would be so cute and so easy for us just to wash our hands and wipe our hands and say, oh, Christ, I'm grateful for what you did on Calvary's cross. I'm grateful for the Lamb of God. And just wipe our hands and, 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 and leave in a few moments without really addressing the issue that if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that he shouldn't be the only one that is sacrificing and the issue is that we don't like to sacrifice. It's not fun. It's not easy. If you go to the bookstore, the Christian bookstore, you are not going to see a whole lot of books on the issue of sacrifice. I've written nine books. I know what the professionals say about how to sell books. And you don't sell books by talking about sacrifice. Chances are if you woke up this morning and you turned on Christian television, I promise you, all the big wigs all over the world are not gaining audiences by talking about sacrifice. And yet if we would be honest with each other, we really can't celebrate the joy of Easter until we taste just a little bit of the sacrifice that was done on our behalf. And if you are a Christ follower, a disciple, 
a man, a woman who is following Jesus Christ. It is demanded of you and me to live a life of sacrifice and follow in his footsteps. And the reality is that we don't like to sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 22, I I said this was a crazy story because Abraham and Sarah, they were promised a son. Dude, he was old. She was old. They had no business thinking about children. Who in their right mind would think about having a child at the year of 90 years old? That's insane. And yet Sarah and Abraham were barren. And they wanted to have a child. And they prayed for that child. Every Sunday they went to church and they wrote them the prayer request form. Pray for us. We want to have a child. Every time they bowed their head to pray for a meal, during that prayer they would say, God, please give us a son. And God honored their prayers and their prayer requests. And God gave them a son. And then here's the crazy part. I don't understand it. There's several theologians in this church, and maybe you can enlighten me on this after service. God shows up one day and sends Abraham an email and says, Abraham, you know that son that I promised you, Isaac? I want you to take him to Mount Moriah tomorrow morning. And I want you to sacrifice Isaac. Talk about wanting to delete an email. <laughs> Wondering how many moms and dads are here today. And you can even entertain just for a second the thought of sacrificing your only son. Wonder how many grandmas and grandpas are here today. Think about the reality of having to sacrifice your granddaughter, your grandson. It's a crazy thought. I don't really understand it, but it is a, a shadow of what was done on Calvary's cross. It's a it's a story that that that, that shadows what Christ did for us. By the way, that Mount Moriah that Abraham was said to take Isaac to is the same region, mountain region of Golgotha. It's the same mountain where Christ was sacrificed. God sends him a text and says, I want you to take him to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. So the next morning, he gets up and he takes Isaac. And he takes the donkeys and they head up the mountain. About halfway up the mountain, Isaac asks a really, really great question. He says, God, uh, Abraham, the, uh, the wood is here. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. They walked up the mountain a little bit further and they got the altar ready and, and got the wood burning and, and tied Isaac down. And the Bible says that Abraham was just getting ready to sacrifice his only son. By the way, Isaac's name means laughter. 
laughter. They, they laughed because they didn't think it was possible that God would give them a son. And then they laughed maybe a little bit more when God asked him to sacrifice his only son. It's not a laughing matter, is it? And with the knife drawn and Isaac laying there on the altar, incredibly, Abraham heard a ram in the thicket. A ram that had been caught in the vines. And God spoke to Abraham and says, now I know that you love me. I provided a ram so that you don't have to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. See, God expected Abraham to, to live a life of sacrifice. And I believe today that God, as believers and disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, that God expects for us to live a life of sacrifice as well. I've got really good news for you today. I don't believe that God is going to ask you to sacrifice your kid. But he is going to ask you to do something that's inconvenient. He is going to ask you to do something that's unconventional. He is going to ask you to do something that doesn't feel good. And in a culture of it's all about me, it's all about me feeling good, it's all about me being self-actualized, God is going to demand at times for you to live a life of sacrifice. And what are some of the lessons that we can learn through sacrifice. If you're still with me this morning, let me hear an amen. Go to Genesis chapter 22. I'm, uh, uh, I'm intrigued by the first sentence in Genesis chapter 22 because it says this. And sometime later, after God promised and gave uh, Isaac and Sarah uh, Isaac, and sometime later, God tested Abraham. I want you to know this morning, church, Bell Isle Community Church, that God will never tempt you. You see, there's a difference between tempting and testing. Testing is done by God. And the purpose of a test is to pull out the good in you. I'm going to say that again. God will test us. In James chapter 1, it says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God is going to test you. But the purpose of the test is to pull out the good in you. The enemy, on the other hand, is an enemy that tempts us. And the purpose of tempting is to pull out the bad in you. God tested Abraham, and God is still testing people today. He is testing his disciples and the followers of Jesus Christ to pull out the good in them. And when God asks you to sacrifice, like his son Jesus, he sees the good that is going to come out of your sacrifice. Think about the good that has come from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Think of the billions of people that have been saved out of sin. Good came out of that. And in the same way, in your life, when God comes on the scene and tests you, it's to pull out the good in you 
and there's good to come if you and I will simply surrender to the test that God is bringing our way. Can I hear an amen? amen? So what you need to know about sacrifice, number one, here's the first thing you need to know about sacrifice, and here it is. God at times will demand the unimaginable. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. What we need to know about sacrifice is, number one, that there will be times when God will ask you to do the unimaginable. Watch this, church. He's going to ask you one day to share your faith. He's going to ask you one day to forgive People that have offended you. He's going he's gonna to ask you one day to, 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 to agree with people that you don't agree with. He's going to ask you one day to go the second mile and do what is uncomfortable. Why? Because God is a God that demands us to do the unimaginable sometimes. And I know it doesn't feel good. And I know it's not fun. And I know it's not popular, but if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to be willing to do the things that are not fun. Can I get an amen? amen. In just a few weeks, right after Easter, I'm, I'm taking hopefully a large amount of money down to Cuba. And we're going to give it to our sister church down there. People who are suffering incredibly. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of apprehensive about, about going to Cuba. Uh, I've been several times, and, and most times it's, it's tolerable. It's really, really bad right now. And I'm hoping to take a large gift to help this church. This church is packed with people. Out the door, people are trying to get in. There's not enough room. There's not enough seats. It is a, watch this, a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost church. That is built on the principles of Jesus Christ. It's United Methodist Church, and it's not liberal. It is spirit-filled, and it is incredible. I'm going to send videos when I come back. It's going to be incredible. I asked the pastor to send me an itinerary of kind of, of, kind of what he's expecting of me. And they're gathering churches. One report said there's going to be 5,000 people in Cuba as I'm down there to preach. But I kind of... I got the itinerary, and something just didn't feel right when I saw the itinerary. Because I'm thinking I'm going down there to preach, to minister, to uh, they're gathering all the United Methodist pastors in that region, and I'm going to teach them and train them. But one thing felt really uncomfortable when I saw the itinerary. It said on Saturday, we're supposed to fast all day long. And I don't like fasting. I am not called to the gift of fasting. Fasting means you don't eat. You can tell by looking at me, I love to eat. And I don't mind preaching, I don't mind ministering, I don't mind prophesying, but please let me eat. <laughs> I, I'm away from my beautiful wife for four days. The luxuries of AC. And you want me to fast? Maybe that's the reason why the church is filled. Maybe that's the reason why 5,000 people are showing up. See, because in Cuba, unlike in America, sacrifice is expected. 
and welcomed because they know that with sacrifice comes incredible blessing. See, the first thing we need to know about sacrifice is God will demand the unimaginable from you. Number two, the second thing that we need to unpack here today is, is there in your notes that, that, that when you sacrifice, immediate obedience is required. Everyone say immediate. Immediate. Look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 3. And it said, early the next morning. Stop right there just for a moment. God sent Abraham a text on Monday night, sacrifice your son. And it says on Tuesday morning, he immediately at once obeyed God. I like that. Do we understand here today that delay is disobedience? I love the fact that Abraham didn't say to God, God, I got your text. I know you want me to sacrifice my son. I'll get back with you. I will pray about it. I get that a lot in church. You ask people to do something, their first response is, I'll pray about it. How convenient. I'll pray about it, Pastor Scott. I'll get back to you. What I like about Abraham is the Bible says that he immediately obeyed. And for 12 hours, he had to think about the fact that he was getting ready to crucify his only son. I bet he didn't sleep much that night. I bet, he, I bet he tossed and turned and moaned and groaned and complained. It was a long 12 hours, but in the bottom line, the Bible says that at once, Abraham early the next morning got up, loaded up the donkey, took his two servants and his son Isaac, and when he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Church, when God demands sacrifice from you, obey immediately. It's so easy to put it off. It's so easy to delay it. It's so easy to expect that other people are going to pick up the slack and do it for you. But God is asking you to sacrifice because he sees good in you and he sees good in the situation. And he wants you to sacrifice and he wants you to do it immediately. At once. I love Abraham. He immediately obeyed. I did something a couple weeks ago. Austin and I were... We're, we're out, to, out to lunch together at, at one of our favorite places in, in Maitland. It's called Jalapenas. Great little Mexican restaurant. And I'm just having a few tacos with Austin. And I saw a police officer, a woman police officer, walk in the restaurant. And as soon as she walked in, God told me, I want you to go up and buy her lunch. And my first response is, this is my day off. <laughs> this is not Sunday. I'm not on the clock. I'm having lunch with my son. And you want to interrupt my lunch and demand that I sacrifice. Now, there's a part of me, I'll be honest with you, 
I was delighted, but there's a part of me that didn't want to do it at all. Part of me that was delighted is because policemen and policewomen have gotten a really a bad rap recently. Who wants to be a policeman? Who wants to be a policewoman? Who wants to sacrifice for other people in a society where they're, they're picketed and they're looked down on and they're despised? So part of me really wanted to do it, but part of me didn't want to do it. I'm not going to tell you what I did. But God will every once in a while ask you to do something that you don't want to do. And our response as believers should be, yes, sir. I'll do it. And I'll do it immediately. I bought her lunch. It cost me $12. I'm glad I did it. But I found that as I followed Christ all these years, that God picks unique times to demand that we follow and we sacrifice for his glory. And God's going to do that in your life this week. God's going to put you in an uncomfortable situation. God's going to ask you to forgive somebody that's really hurt you. God's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do, but we do it because of what he did for us on Calvary's cross. Disciples sacrifice. Disciples fast. And they forgive. And they love. Because that's what Christ did for us. Can I, can I get an amen? amen. Uh, we got a few minutes. Can I show you an incredible story of obedience in the New Testament? Real quickly. Go to, go to Matthew chapter 3. This is one of my favorite stories in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 3. It's a story of Jesus being baptized. Now you say, Pastor Scott, what does Jesus being baptized have to do with Abraham and his obedience? It's got everything to do with it. Because Jesus demonstrated a life of obedience. And good things happen when you obey. You know the story. Jesus needed to be baptized. And John was the official who's going to baptize Jesus. And John felt kind of weird about it. He's like, why am I baptizing you? You should be baptizing me. And Jesus said, this is the way that God wants us to do it. Let's do it. And when Jesus was baptized, some incredible things took place. The Bible says that heaven opened up. And he heard a voice from heaven. And the voice said, Jesus, you're my son, you're my daughter, with you I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Write this down real quickly. Are you all with me? Seven things, seven blessings of obedience. When you obey, there are seven things that, from this story that God reveals to us. Number one, humility prevails. Everyone say humility. You know what I love about Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God, and yet he humbled himself. You know what we need in Belle Isle Community Church? We need men and women that live a life of humility. And Jesus humbled himself and said, John, you're going to baptize me. The first blessing of obedience is that humility prevails. Number two, I love this one, heaven opens. You want heaven to open? You want God to hear your prayers? Obey. The Bible says that when Jesus obeyed, that number, number two, the heavens opened. And then number three, eyes are opened. You begin to see. 
The Bible says that Jesus saw the glory of God. He saw the heavens opened. Your eyes will be open when you obey. Number four, I love this one, the Holy Spirit descends. How many of you would love the Holy Spirit to descend on your family? How many of you would love to have the Holy Spirit descend on your business? How many of you would love to have the Holy Spirit descend on our church? How many of you would love to have the Holy Spirit descend on our nation and the world? You do that when you obey. And here's Jesus in the water. By the way, he was in the River Jordan. That word there, Jordan, means descending. He's getting ready to be baptized, and the heavens open. His eyes see the glory of God, and the Holy Spirit descends on him. That's what happens when we obey. Number five, your ears will hear. The Bible says that Jesus, that God the Father spoke and Jesus heard his Father say these words. Here it is. And this is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. Jesus heard God the Father say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you are my son. Jesus, with you, I am well pleased. Wow. Wow. If I was a dad here today, I would use this very principle with your children. Dads, your children need to hear from you, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I don't love you based on performance. I don't love you because you make good grades. I don't love you because you hit a home run in Little League. I don't love you because you're a great ballerina. I love you for who you are and you please me. Are you all with me this morning? You show me somebody who hears God's favor over them and I will show you someone who walks successfully following Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter how old your kids are, they still need to hear, I love you, I'm pleased with you, you're my son and you're my daughter. Oh, Pastor Scott, my, my kid's 40 years old, doesn't matter. My kid's 50, doesn't matter. They need to hear the approval of their son and the daughter from the father. Austin turned 33 on March 18th. I'll show you my text, but you just have to believe me. I texted him. He, he, he's in Denver with a friend of his. He flew out to Denver to spend uh, the week with, with his friend Jared. And I, I, I texted him and said, happy birthday. Austin, I love you and I'm proud of you. That's what I said. Why? Because that's what I hear my father say over me. That's what I hear God say to me. I love you. You're not perfect. You don't have it all together. You got mistakes. You screw up a lot. But I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. You know what I wish you'd do today? I wish you'd pick up the phone and don't email and don't text. Pick up the phone and call your son and daughter and say, I love you. I'm proud of you. With you, I am well pleased. And when you do that, it's a burst of energy in them. Our kids are not accepted because they do good. They're accepted because of who they are. 
The Bible says that Jesus, he heard the approval. Number six, your ears are open, approval is spoken. And then number seven, I love this one. When you obey, you will walk in victory over temptation. What happened? The Spirit led Jesus into a time of temptation. And watch this, Jesus was victorious. You know what I want to hear about members of Belle Isle Community Church? I want to hear that they are overcomers. I want to hear that they are victorious. I want to hear that they are walking in victory. And guess how you walk in victory? You walk in victory by obeying, by humbling yourself, by allowing the Holy Spirit to descend on you. And when you're faced with temptation, you walk in victory. How many are still with me? Let me hear an amen. amen. All right, let's go to point number three. Let's get back to Abraham. That was a, a little uh, BOGO. <laughs> a little bonus. Buy one, get one free. That was all free right there. <laughs> number three, what we need to know about sacrifice. Number one, God will demand the unimaginable. Number two, God will expect immediate obedience. Number three. When God asks you to do something you don't want to do, questions are expected and encouraged. Isaac said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? I want to tell you today, church, it's okay to ask God questions. Because God is a God of questions. You know that God asks questions of us? Look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, where are you? How many know that God knew where Adam and Eve was? He wanted Adam and Eve to know where they were. God asked questions. Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul, why are you persecuting me? God is a God of questions because he wants to provoke a response from us. And it is okay for you to ask God questions. God's not offended by your questions. Most questions we ask is why. Why am I going through this? Why are you asking me to do this? Why do I have to pay for the policeman's lunch on my day off? Why, why, why? And it's okay to ask why. And by the way, this is Lent. We're focusing on Christ. Even Jesus asked the question, why have you forsaken me? It's okay to ask questions. The better question instead of asking why is to ask what. What am I going to learn from this? What am I going to become by obeying? It's okay, it's expected and encouraged for you to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. It's expected and encouraged. Number four, when you sacrifice, God's faithfulness will be revealed. Watch this. Abraham's getting ready to kill Isaac. And right at the right moment, man, there was a ram that was caught in the thicket. And God spoke to Abraham and said, here's the ram. You don't have to sacrifice your son Isaac. Why? Because God's faithfulness will always be reve revealed when you sacrifice. God is faithful. Now, watch this. David, come on up here just for a moment. David is no longer David. David is now anointed to be a ram. <laughs> Not a lamb. 
but a ram. You had to be a male, and you had to be full age. And David fits both of those criterias. He identifies as a man. Thank God. God provided the ram to reveal his faithfulness. God brought the ram at the right time and the right moment, but the ram was watching Abraham as they were both walking up the mountain. Watch this. David, go back to the very back left of the auditorium, right, right over there by the, by the very back there. Everybody give David a big hand. All right, watch this. Now, the camera guy's going to have a fit, and I'm going to, uh, David, go ahead and make your way all the way back there. The cameraman's going to have a fit because I'm going to go out of screen here in just a few seconds, but hang with me. I'm Abraham. I am walking up the Mount Moriah. I don't like it. This doesn't feel good. This is not what I signed up for. Ask somebody else to do this. Why are you picking on me? But I wake up on that Tuesday morning and I say, I'm going to obey and I'm going to make my way up the mountain. Now watch this. The promise, the blessing, the ram is watching me. And as I start walking in faith up the mountain, the ram follows at the same pace. So as I begin to walk up the mountain, God, I don't like this. God, this isn't fun. I wish you'd pick somebody else. Why do I have to do this? I don't want to fast in Cuba. I want to eat. Cuban food. <laughs> At the pace you walk up the mountain, the ram follows your lead. And when you stop in doubt, the blessing stops. When you stop in unbelief, the blessing stops. When you stop and say, I've had it. I'm done with this sacrifice crud. I want to feel good. I don't want to sacrifice. When you stop, the ram stops. But when you live by faith and say, God, I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. But because you sacrificed for me on Calvary's cross, I'm going to do the unimaginable, and I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to do it with a good heart. And as you begin to walk up that mountain... Guess who's following your lead? The ram. And although Abraham didn't see it, the ram saw Abraham. And the ram was waiting for Abraham to move. And as Abraham moved, the ram moved with him. And as they walk up the mountain, he ties down Isaac on the altar, and he sharpens his knife, and he pulls the knife back to sacrifice his son. The ram was moving, and they met at the top of Moriah. Because when you obey, when you sacrifice, when you do what's uncomfortable, God's faithfulness will always be 
revealed. There's a ram that's watching you. And it's not going to move until you move. And when you stop, the ram stops. But at the right moment, because Abraham was a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, willing to taste in the sacrifice, he made it up to Mount Moriah, and a ram was provided as a sacrifice for him. Give David a big round of applause. Good job, David. What do we need to know about sacrifice? God's faithfulness will always be revealed. It's always revealed. Number five, we're going to close. I got two minutes. Blessing always follows sacrifice. When you sacrifice, blessing will always follow. Look at verse 17 in chapter 22. And I will surely bless you. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and on the sand and the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through you, your offspring, all nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. What do we need to know about sacrifice? Blessing always follows sacrifice. We're going to close in just a moment. But I want to, I want to give you what I believe is an is a incredible illustration on blessing following sacrifice. David, I'm going to use you one more time. Come on up here. David's, David's working hard today, isn't he? So what are the ways that God has asked us to sacrifice? Loving the unlovely, forgiving people that have wounded us, volunteering. Let me show you an illustration of another way that God asks us to sacrifice, and that's in the area of giving, of tithing, giving. Now, if you saw the slide on giving, I'm not saying this because we need your money. God has blessed us and will continue to bless us because we are a church that gives. But God will require you and me to sacrifice in the area of giving. Here is your paycheck right here. This is symbolic of your paycheck. Now, you have one of two choices. You can take this $100 bill, and you can take it, and you can put it in your pocket, and you can say, I'm in charge of this $100. I'm in control. I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to watch over this. And you know what happens when you do that? The Bible says that moth and rust come in and steal. But when you as a believer sacrifice, watch this, and you say to God, God, you require 10%. You're not asking for the whole 100. You're asking for 10%. When you say, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to give, and you give God 10%. Here's your gift. Watch what happens. You give this 10% as an offering, as a sacrifice to God. God receives it in this hand. And then you know what he does with his other hand? He uses that to bless the 90 that you get to keep. 
This is the best illustration I can ever give you on sacrificial giving. So you hang on to this all by yourself, and you get back to me in a year and tell me how it's working for you. You looked at the stock market lately? So you're big enough and bad enough and smart enough to oversee everything that you make? Let me know how that works for you. I would rather, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, say, I'm going to keep 90 and I'm going to sacrifice 10. Because I would rather have 90 with your blessing than 100 without it. Blessing always follows sacrifice. And the beautiful story of Abraham encourages me. The next time God asks me to buy a policeman a lunch, I'm going to do it. Next time God tells me to tell my kids I love them, I'm going to do it. Next time God tells me to give sacrificially, I'm going to do it because when I give, God blesses the 90 that I get to keep. And he uses that 10% to bless other people. That's the power of obedience and blessing when you and I sacrifice. Would you stand up across the auditorium? Thank you, David. I'm going to pray for you today as we get ready to leave. And this is what I'm going to pray. You ready? God, this week, provide an opportunity for me to sacrifice for your glory. There's good in me. It needs to be revealed. There's people that are counting on me. God, orchestrate a series of events where I have to follow in the footsteps of Christ and give me the opportunity to sacrifice for you. I won't complain. I won't moan. I won't groan. I won't get upset. I won't delay. But God, I'll obey immediately for your glory, whatever it is. Now, if that's you today, and you want God to set you up this week for a, a sacrificing moment, I want you to lift your right hand as I pray. Not, not everyone lift your hand. Not everyone. Don't give me that courtesy hand raise. This is not for everybody. It's for people that honestly, you want to follow in the footsteps of Christ and you want to sacrifice. Because there's good in you that needs to be revealed as God tests you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that as Christ followers, we get to follow you and sacrifice for your glory. God, thank you for the story of Abraham. Thank you for the incredible life lesson that he gives us. I pray you'll give us the ability, Lord, when the opportunity arises this week, that you will help us, God, to willingly and quickly obey and sacrifice for your glory. God, create a series of events by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to taste in the sufferings of the cross as we follow you. 
And God, I thank you in advance for the blessing that's going to come as we follow you in sacrifice. In Jesus' wonderful name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week at Belle Isle Community Church. Have a great day. Go and sin no more. We'll see you. God bless you.